Hello, and welcome to the Keen on Things podcast, the finest 30 minutes of sleep in show business. Yeah, that's right. I'm your host. Guess who? Patrick Keen. That's right. Patrick Keen. Thanks for joining. We are, uh, we're brought to you today by Script Pipeline, of course. Script Pipeline discovers, develops, promotes film and TV writers, helping them get repped and connected with the industry, the show business industry. When you submit, you submit for review and coverage. Uh, they give great notes and great strategic advice. It's tough business to navigate. Scripts uh, are still worth it, even though social media entertainment is uh, such a big chunk of it all now. Scripts are still big. Um, this company, Script Pipeline, has their finger on the pulse of the current climate in this topsy-turvy industry. And they, uh, they also have competitions, finalists, not only the winners, finalists. So you know how you get four finalists or six finalists? Uh, and you want to award them all? Well, they they do that here at this company. I, I'll tell you, we did a uh, we did interviews this week for some kids that are going to get scholarship money, and it was very difficult to break it down from ten to four. Uh, we had to pick two eventually, and it was hard to do. But with script pipeline type uh, competitions, you don't have to do that. Uh, you know, we had the Super Bowl tonight. We had the Rams and the Bengals, and you wanted to give them both awards. It was a tight game, but uh, only only one gets it right. Uh, Script Pipeline, they have, uh, with Script Pipeline, you can get your work looked at by people in the business. Guys who, it's pretty much guys who clean the trash at Warner Brothers. They read your script. I'm kidding, you guys. Uh, it's agents, it's managers, it's development executives, writers, producers. Uh, they're all in touch with this company. They help you get exposure, secure deals, acquire representation, and sell projects. Um, script type. Script Pipeline is joined by Film Pipeline, Book Pipeline, and Pipeline Artists. So there's four different categories. It's a new platform to educate and inspire emerging creatives. They are branching out, it looks like. But the guys, they are the link. Don't need to move to Hollywood to follow this dream. Best of both worlds. Chase your dream. Do it from home, wherever that is in the world. You don't have to move to Hollywood to do open mics for 20 years and be a production assistant, work background in film and TV, drive Uber, uh, like some people I know who host half-hour podcasts, going to sneeze, going to sneeze. Hold on. <laughs> that took like 20 seconds. Okay. PA. The term PA is a mess, man. It's uh, In Hollywood, it's a production assistant. So you're running around, you're a grunt. You're running around, you're getting food, you're getting sandwiches, you're making, you're driving, you're, you're, you're buying coffee, you're taking orders that have to be exact or people lose their minds. Uh, you can lose your job over a wrong lunch order. It's very strange. Um, you have to pick up people's pets. It's uh, it's a lot of unprofessional stuff. But you can rise, you get trusted, and, and you get work, and, and you build up, right? PA for a year or three. You don't want to do it more than, a th- more than three years, though. Uh, a lot of people think the PA thing is personal appearance, which is uh, big for celebrities or, or whatever. They go and they just do a meet and greet and they get paid big money. So people have PA agents, but that's not production assistant agents. You're not going to have an agent that gets you work for production assistant. That is personal appearance, but uh, people get that confused. Um, I had two friends. One was in Hollywood and, uh, and another wasn't. And they were trying to have a conversation and a work relationship and they had confused that term anyway this episode today guys we are uh we just finished a week at my work of fundraising for my former high school that i work at uh 
it's as exhausted. I won't say the most exhausted. It's as exhausting as I've ever been. Um, just like last summer when we did the reunion, that was exhausting. And then um, like a TV appearance or a writing job uh, when you have something due, it's pretty brutal. And you don't sleep that week or whatever. Very little time to do anything else but uh, the fundraising, this this fund, this drive we did this week. So worked all week. Went and announced the uh, basketball game Friday night, which was unreal. I couldn't believe they needed someone to fill in. I did. I was like, what, really? I got nothing left in the tank. It was great. We won. Went home. Very happy with the results thus far. And I was too tired. I was beyond tired, and I couldn't sleep. I didn't sleep that well Friday night. And I didn't. I, you'd think once you're asleep, you can stay asleep. Saturday morning, I got up early. I'm like, what's going on here? Why, why can't it? But I was still kind of too excited, kind of coming down from the rush. Uh, but it's always the second night. So I slept well uh, Saturday, fell asleep early, slept late. I'm going to go to sleep after this and sleep well again. Uh, when I drink, I can't really sleep. I can kind of fall asleep, but I can't stay asleep. But the night after, boy, I'm going down for some Zs. So I was just excited and jacked and couldn't get to sleep Friday. Um, Saturday had crashed hard after a gig, Super Bowl, fun day, fun night. But it was a week of fundraising. And guys, it's harder than comedy. I'm used to fundraising, but this was fund raising both difficult you're asking something of someone that may or may not be directly in their lives anymore um pay me or pay us for this thing that might not relate to you uh it's not really palpable unless you value intrinsic value depends it's it's case to case uh to me it is to others it's not and you'll hear every excuse when you're fundraising every single excuse people get creative with it it's the most creative you'll see people with the excuses they have. Uh, and you, you can't just count, counter with an argument. You know, you, want, you don't want to get an argument. Someone doesn't want to give you a financial gift. You have to hear those excuses out and nod them off. Not like a pitcher who shakes off a catcher. You don't want to, it's a nod, not a shake off. Okay? Because it's a big ask. Little amount, still a big ask. Hear, hear them out. Hear their excuse out. Uh... But ultimately, the reason is simply, I'm not giving you money for free. <laughs> right? Uh, people might be strapped. People might have given everywhere else. Um, but I, I try to break it down for some people, brass tacks. Like, hey, it's a nonprofit. You have to give your money somewhere to write it off this year. Um, we get you a tax write-off. It goes toward education. Win-win. Does everybody have money to give? I, I'd never given money before until this, so I, I don't know. I don't think people have to give because I've never given. Um, but it goes toward education. For some, that's palpable enough. Um, for some, it's not. I will say this. It's much easier when it's a product or a service, you're behind. You can get behind. With good people that you can refer to. Our team, Annie, Mary, Lori, and... Uh, it's the four of us, and we're a person down right now. There should be five. But um, whatever. You make it work, and so it, people have each other's back, so it's great. Also, you make light of it when you're asking for money. You don't act like uh, it's not an ask. You know, you're not trying to trick anybody. Because you, you usually want people f money from intelligent people, and they're too intelligent to know, to not know that, you know, 
You're not going to trick them. So you can just open, like I just tried, guys, I'm here to ask for money and smile and get that shit out of the way. And you move on. Right? Get to the next thing. Uh, those deals, all those deals you see in TV shows, they make the deal. It's kind of hard. Negotiation, a little touch and go, a little tricky. And then they're at lunch, dinner, wine, cigars, stuff like that. I'm going to try to make a video every year to make fun, to make fun out of it. I think that'd be, I think that'd be uh, ideal. Uh, and we made one this year. I just, I just sent it to the class in 91 and 92 and 93 and some friends. Uh, and then there was also a blooper video where the sign behind my head falls off the wall. And that was good. You know, breaks the tension. So I, I sent that out and it did well. Um, my friend Chad, oh, Script Pipeline Chad, he's produced a few movies and he goes in telling potential investors this is one of the worst, riskiest moves you'll ever make. And he just puts that on the table. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a billboard pulling into Vegas saying, don't do what you're about to do. Think of your families. How quick would there be a cease and desist gag order on that? So that's what Chad does. That's what I, I try to be as honest as possible. And just be like, no worries. We're here if you need us. Hopefully we're helping. We're giving you reason to want to give. Right? That's what you want. Feel connected, all that. Reengagement. You know, like it's a piece of you. We're asking for a piece of you. Not, not everybody wants to do that. That's fine. I, so I try to make light of it, try to be honest, put it out there, and then get the hell away from it. Right? Get on with the relationship. And you keep that knowledge of who gave because um, they will remember and you want to remember. And you don't want to just uh, let that get vacuumed up. But you do get all kinds of responses. Weirdly, none of them are cruel. None are vindictive. None are personal. But it all feels like that. Every no or uh, unreturned note feels personal. And it's not. And you have to separate and it's hard, but you want you have to separate yourself from that. Uh, do not internalize that. You know, people have different reasons. People are at their most creative when they're saying no to giving money. That's what I found. The worst though is the silence, just no response. Joe, Lou, Dave, three of my supposed besties. Uh, the routes around giving are fun, but um, there's you know. There's other ways, right? Come speak to the kids. Let us have a tour of your company or your factory. Let us send our two top engineering students to your plant to take a look, have a tour, because that's, that's as good as gold. I mean, because then you can go back and tell people word spreads. Oh, my God, we went to this plant in uh, Kansas, in Missouri, you know, in Jersey. We got to see how the candy's made, how the furniture's made, all this stuff. Word gets out. That's, that's just as good, man. That's just as good as, uh, as a huge money donation. Uh, alumni is the only part of an institution, a college or a high school, that grows. Alumni is the only part of a school that grows. Student body stays relatively the same. Faculty, staff, the same. Campus size, the same. Everything stays the same size except the alumni. It's the only thing that grows. It's like the penis. Right? The penis on the body. It's the only thing that grows. Your chest, your arms, your head, your hair, feet, heart, what, like, 
the penis grows, everything else remains the same. And there are a lot of penises in any alumni group and in fundraising. Um, a lot of penises, a lot of dicks, a lot of dickheads, but mostly good people. <clears throat> okay. Uh, something I don't want to do is ask people multiple years in a row. Okay, if they gave a large gift over summer, I think twice about asking twice. Think twice about asking in February when six months ago they just gave some money. Maybe give them a couple years, two to three years. At the same time, you want to be consistent, right? Last year, someone gave 30 because they had been out of high school 30 years. This year, hey, let's do 31. It's been 31 years since graduating. That's a, that's a type of ask you can maybe do every year. But you really you want to be strategic. You don't want to just be like, oh, this guy's coming back to me. He hasn't even talked to me since last time that I donated a thousand or five thousand or whatever. Um, yeah, someone drops a grand or two. You you got to be strategic. Having said that, I'm almost a year in, and I still don't know Jack. So like a specialist could hear me saying this and be like, yeah, you're way off. You're 100 wrong. Um, but it's a feeling, right? Instinct, hunch, like asking someone out on a date. Is this the right, you know, is there something here? Is there a vibe? Is there a feel? Uh, why is comedy easier than fundraising? I have that written down here, that comedy is easier than fundraising. Uh, yeah, probably. I'm ha we're halfway through this episode. Jesus, I feel like I'm dragging. Am I dragging? I had a lot of this written earlier, before the game. Uh, maybe it's the game. Why comedy is easier. In comedy, you can accidentally swear. You can make mistakes on stage, play them off. In a corporate or education setting, it's not always the case. You swear it's it's game over. Uh, a comedian has to prepare. A comedian, man, the range for comics. A com comedian has to prepare for a corporate gigs that are done in the daytime, and you use clean content and language for a bunch of people in suits, in terrible lighting, who aren't going to laugh. But at the same time, you have to be prepared for a basement comedy club show with an audience full of drunks, and personalities who may charge the stage if they don't like what's being said. It's quite a range. Quite a range. Um, okay, with the uh, asks and with fundraising, mostly done on cell phones. I mean, texting, repeat email. I'll tell you what. I did it all. Text, email, cell phone calls. No faxes. Nobody answers and nobody calls back. I had literally zero callbacks, and I had zero pickups. I'm calling from the school landline uh, and the cell phone. Cell phone's going to be probably, you know, unknown, so they're not going to pick up. Uh, the landline might say Santa Margarita. They're not going to pick up. They know what's coming. I don't mind that because I just leave a silly message, and maybe that's what people want. And maybe that's what we do from here on out is have a message from the president of the school or a message from a comedian, you know, that's silly. And people are like, oh, you got to hear. I, I, he leaves one every year, you know. It'd be great to get big enough to be able to send out a pre-recorded message to an alum and people know it's coming. Like, oh, yeah, this guy, you know, Kevin Nealon or, you know, whomever, right? Jerry Seinfeld, you can imagine that would raise a lot of money. And maybe you tell them in advance, don't pick up because the famous comic is calling. Two-minute message tops is probably what you want. They'll go over two. Definitely not three. Uh, but it takes the tension and awkwardness out of it. Make it fun. Make it team-oriented. The class competitions is a great idea. Uh, you know, get those juices going. That was fun. That, that got a lot of people going, especially from our class of 91. It was like, hey, we can't lose these other juniors. 
you know. Uh, with the cell phone, though, nowadays, you don't stop working. You come home, and you still text, and you're checking emails through your phone, and you respond to those emails. You forward the link. You do whatever. Um, people come back. It's a lot of back and forth. And then some you don't hear from, and they just, boom, big one pops up. Um, so you're in correspondence with people you know well, people you used to know well, people you kind of know, you know, your acquaintances. And fourth category, strangers, complete strangers, people that graduated 10 years after you. Uh, so it's all a, it's been a, it's a crazy weird energy. But, you know, you're selling a bona fide product, so that helps tap it into the nostalgia a little bit. The SM experience, trying to ensure that future kids have that same experience. College was great, but the core of my Tomodachis, they come from high school. Just the way it is. A few from grade school, a few from the Midwest when I went to school there. But uh, Majorjor come from uh, high school. Amazing high school and grade school. I was lucky. Ideally, uh, the kind of kid we're putting out there, I, don't, I, I just have that. Ideally, the kind of kid we're putting out there, I don't know what that means. Ideally, we're putting a great kid out into the world. And the relationship between the teachers and students, right? Hopefully, that's where we want the money to go toward. You know, a low ratio, maybe 1 to 20 or 1 to 18 or whatever it is. You're going to have bigger classes too, but for specialized classes, one to eighteen, one to twenty, one to twenty-two, whatever it is. I know it's a good, good one. And you want those relationships strong and trust, and uh, have at it, teachers. Go at it, teach them, man. Get in there. So again, it's nice when a product or service uh, has your back, and that's what we had. So I was at Pavilions earlier. They're selling Girl Scout cookies. You talk about not needing to be a sales girl. That shit sells itself. I mean, you you just smile and hey. We're here. That's all you have to do. It's not even like, do you want to buy some cookies? I know they're saying that, but they don't even need to. Everybody knows. That brand, and it's, I guess it's smart. I used to think, why, do they, why don't they just have it all year round? I don't know. Maybe it's smart that there's a strategic time of year. We did this Eagle Fun Drive this week, and it's a good time of year, right? It's after the holidays, far enough into the year, before tax season. Not that it's going to relate to this tax season. Um, you know? It's before summer. Fall might be a good time too. I don't know. But you do need to have a week every year. I, th- I just, because I was like, oh, isn't it just a kind of an ongoing thing? No, it needs to be specific. You need to get uh, exact. And that's what the Girl, Girl Scout cookies do. There should be a college thesis there on the Girl Scout cookies and their, their uh, POI, plan of attack, every year. I mean, you, that's a business thesis, economics thesis, psychology thesis. You know, what do they only sell in those two weeks of the year or a month or something? That'd be an interesting study. Why this time of the year? Why this range of time? What's the strategy? Because it works. Uh, it's funny because I was going to buy some of the store out front. It was a Pavilions, Oso, and Marguerite. There was a little bit of a line when I walked in, a little bit of a line when I walked out. I didn't get any. I'm like, okay, I'm off the hook. Cool. But it's a fun product. And it's not even an ask. You know, it's not an ask at that point, it's an offering. We're here if you guys need us. That's it. Are Thin Mints tax deductible? I'll post that joke at some point. Uh, Do the Girl Scouts need to be in alignment with an arms manufacturer? With Boeing? No, I don't know about that part. Probably not. 
I like to focus on the telecommunications aspect over the missile aspect, but who knows? Hopefully it's getting talented young girls engineering experience. It's just a weird alignment. Boeing and the Girl Scouts together again. Um, so yeah, the vibe. That was the vibe. Learned a lot. Very eye-opening this past week. Fundraising this past ever you know year. You could see people. You could see people panic. You could see people uh, deer in headlights, and they don't want any party. Some people just are like, "Here, I'll just give you some money to stay away from me, not even go through the awkwardness of the ask." Which I don't know. It's good to get the money, but you don't want to. I don't want people running. You know. I would hope that communities everywhere give the uh, give their lo- give money to their local high school, private or public. You know, you're investing in your own community and the security and ensuring that uh, it's uh, your community will be better for it in the long run. You invest in local youth, and uh, it it's never blind, right? It goes towards something extra, prevents crime and poverty down the road because that shit will come back to haunt you. Communities so they don't take care of that in advance. Right? You build a plant in a cheap neighborhood and you just live in a guard gate. You don't kind of invest in the community and you're getting rich while that community's getting poor. And, you know, eventually your kids are out on a date and they get murdered or robbed or shot or something. And it's a weird paradox. Control it or it will control you. Wow, this took a turn. Okay. Every aspect of life, job, community, your own brain control it or it will control you i let my brain control things sometime and it's not pretty man you have to be control of it and access it accordingly libido can lead you wrong but your brain can too overthinking creating all that and i don't know entirely what i'm talking about but i'm definitely on to something which should be the title of the podcast keen on things he doesn't know what he's talking about but he's on to something and that, that that's good. Okay. So here's a quick funny this story's funny. Uh if you know my family, you'll like this. Okay, we got a few minutes left here. Um so my mom donates to the Santa Margarita fundraiser. She says, Hey, you need to tell your uncle Brian to donate. He's in Florida. It's about what's he about seventy eight. He's done well in his life. Engineer. You need to tell your bro- Uncle Brian to donate. My dad's brother. Jerry's brother. Older brother. Um, you know. Tell him about the fundraiser and how your father, his brother, tell him, worked so hard to get that school going and how a lot of people there are, st- are still there. A lot of people he started the school with are still around in the area. And that uh, they know your dad and they hold him in high esteem right so let him in on that he'll he'll feel good about giving some money so i email my uncle brian in florida i give him the spiel right i get going and i'm emailing getting jerry keen on him and i'm like oh they love him here still uncle brian they love my dad here and there's all these great stories and people are always telling stories about him whatever so my uncle's an engineer and he's very precise and exact tit for tat he was in Thailand during the Vietnam War. He was stationed in the service, you know. He was in Thailand. Close, but not too close. Close enough, right? I don't know what this has to do with anything. So he comes back to me and he says, this is great to hear. I'm, I'm so happy to hear about this fundraiser and that your dad is loved there and held in high esteem. I miss your dad every day. What a guy. I will gladly contribute. Please relay some of those stories on to me. 
<laughs> so, so I have to take an hour out of uh, my day. It was Thursday, I think. In the middle of the day, I have to take an hour out of this intense, exciting fundraising week. And I just tried to recall like four to five stories. Four or five. And I think it was five. Uh, and I emailed them. But it's not like I had them off the top of my head. You know, I had like two commonly known ones. And some were way off. Some were absurd. But I was, I was like, come on, Uncle Brian. Like, you know the stories. You have plenty of your own. They're the same stories. Do we have to do this, this little song and dance? Uh, so it's just funny scrambling, getting him some stories. And I feel like uh, Kramer and Seinfeld selling stories to Elaine's boss and then having to buy some second-rate stories from Newman. Uh, but, but whatever. My Uncle Brian does miss my dad, and he wants to hear all about it. He's seen the school several times, and he really likes it. He's always liked the school, right? Mike, my cousin, my exact age, even came on a retreat one summer before our senior year. He flew out, and he came on this retreat. Student council and school allowed that and got to know a lot of my friends. It was very cool, very moving. Those cousins lived in Florida while we were in Michigan. They were in Florida while we were in California. We didn't see a lot of them over the years. Um. But we became friends in adulthood, like from late high school and beyond. We try to see, we probably see him every, once every three years now, which isn't bad. So, um, so he loves the high school. But my dad and his brother, complete opposites. He, you know, he's calmer, meticulous, like smaller physically, plays things close to the vest. My dad was basically John Candy Madden, Kool Aid Man. So they were a great yin and yang. Uh, Something we're going to try to do at the school, which could be cool, is get alumni. So that's it. That's it on that. So, yeah. So something we're going to try to do at the school, get alumni and current teachers to throw out the first pitch at baseball games. I think that would be fun. Uh, I don't know if they do a first pitch thing at softball games. I would airball that, trying to just pitch underhand. Um, Obviously, there aren't thousands of spectators, but you put that on social media, and it's a fun thing, right? It exists somewhere. And builds morale. That's what it's all about. And they can leave after that. Teachers spend enough time at the school. They can go home. But you just want interaction. FDR during the Depression, hiring one group to dig a hole one day just to get some, and paying them, just to get some morale going, employ, employ, employment. Hire a different group, come fill that hole the next day. And different places, um, vice versa, all around that. And you, you pay them as well. Just get some money in circulation. Let's get some action from the back section. In either 77 or 78, 1977, 1978, Billy Martin was managing the New York Yankees, and it was a talented squad. They had a lot of talent, but they were divisive, and they were underachieving. I don't know if it was midseason or into the, they limped into the playoffs or something, and they weren't doing great. But Billy Martin, the manager, he was out on the field arguing a play that had just happened. So the game was suspended. He's arguing with an umpire about something, and I don't even think it was that major of a call, but he stayed out there. He stayed, and he stayed, and he stayed. And Even the ump's like, what are you doing? Let's get on with the game. He's, and Billy's yelling, and he's arguing, and at one point he even comes clean with the umpire and says, blue, man, whatever, uh, we're underachieving. I've tried everything else with this group. I don't know what to do. I'm going to get fired if this talented group doesn't get its shit together and go far in the playoffs, win the World Series. So I'm staying out here and arguing. 
and trying to light a fire under my team's ass. And the crowd's watching, and his team's watching, and they're like, wow, this guy wants to. He wants it, man. He's looking at him. He's so committed and crazy. And it was a spark, and it got him off their ass a little bit. And uh, it got people to give a damn on that team. And they ended up winning back-to-back World Series those two years. 77, 70. They had lost in 76. I think they got swept. But in 77, 78, they beat the Dodgers both those years. They had Reggie Jackson. It was really impressive. Phil Jackson's book. He was the coach of the Bulls and then the Lakers. He, it's, it's, he talks about coaching those title teams. And he says it's all about getting millionaires to care. How do you get millionaires to care? Why should they be invested? You know, they can be mediocre, make their money, and go. Uh, that's the focus of his book. Just fascinating. Okay. Um, all right. We're yeah. We got a minute left here. Uh, this week, Arizona, some shows with Louis C.K. I'll be working with him uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in uh, Tempe, and then stand up live in Phoenix. Tempe Improv and then Stand Up Live in Phoenix. And I'll be working with the guys from Impractical Jokers and Greg Barrett the rest of the week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all in Arizona. It was a huge club offer that just came through uh, this weekend. So after this huge week, I get this offer, and I'm going there tomorrow to Arizona. And I'm exhausted, so I don't know how it's going to go. But uh, it was a huge offer that the club manager there tried to put together for me specifically, and I was just flattered that he did that. To have a club booker act as an agent and put a nice package together for you, you, you can't refuse. Or you don't get it back. I don't get that avenue back of employment. They don't ask a second time. He doesn't come back in two months and go, oh, I tried to put another week for you together. Uh, you know, Because there's a couple different clubs I'm working in. He's got me working with specific acts. I wouldn't get that market back. So, and I, he wouldn't return my calls. It would be over. It would be like fundraising. <laughs> so, okay, uh, Rams, Bengals. Uh, it's so funny that I didn't go far at all into an episode. Like, I didn't talk about football at all this episode, which I usually do one minute into the episode, and I just watched the Super Bowl. On the day of the Super Bowl, I didn't even talk about football. Very weird. It ends quick, right? Once it's over, like, football is off everyone's minds now. It's, it's probably college. It's whatever. It's your life. It's nothingness. It's break. Sports fans, it's college basketball, probably March Madness, right, in a month. And then pro basketball, uh, spring training baseball is really it. So it's probably college basketball, spring training baseball. The Olympics. Um, God, I didn't even get to the corporate gig, the Super Bowl corporate gig. I'm happy for Stafford, the Rams. The Rams have never won. L.A., the only time L.A. won a Super Bowl is like the second year the Raiders were here in the early 80s. The Rams have never won one here. They won in St. Louis. And this was their, was their one, two, three, four. This was their fifth Super Bowl. So this is their second victory, the Rams, out of five Super Bowls. In L.A., it's their first victory of three Super Bowls. And they went one and one in Missouri. Fascinating. Um, Uniform choice was fine. I, I, I like that. I like the traditional stuff they used to have. Wanted to see some blue cleats. Did on some players. I'm happy for Odell. He got injured, but he gets his title. Uh, the big D lineman does, 99, Aaron Donald. And, of course, Stafford, man, the Detroit Lion coming in and doing that up. And then the offensive lineman. I'm blanking, but he's like 40. And he had played for the Bengals for years, and now he's a Ram. So stoked for him. Um, I just love the Super Bowl. I love the World Cup. I think I like the World Cup more. 
just what's involved, what's at stake, all the different countries, truly a world champion. I don't know why I can't do the Olympics. You know, if it's on, a, if it's on the TV at a bar, I can watch. If not, forget it. If it's on in a bar, background, sure. But I'm not going to sit down and watch it. Curling, I mean, not the Winter Olympics anyway. Curling, the only curling I've seen is in a bar in Minnesota with my buddy Chris. And that's, a, that's as close as I need. I mean, I guess I could watch it on TV if people are like, hey, let's recreate that moment in Minnesota. Uh, okay, that's it. Weird episode like they all are. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Sorry, I got, I'm got i so wiped out. I should have done this earlier because I wasn't going to talk about the Super Bowl anyway. That's played out. Uh, happy for Cincy. They'll be back. I, I know people are like, well, Marino, they thought that was Marino. I, I, Cincy will be back, I think. Stafford. Or, I'm sorry, um, Joe Burrow. I think they'll be back, and I think they'll be strong, and I think I think they'll at least win two with them. I hope so. That city, and Ohio needs a world championship in football. Jesus, man. Cleveland and Cincy. I mean, Ohio, football is spawned from there. You know, make it happen. Okay, thanks for listening. Keen of comedy, all social media platforms. Keen on things podcast. Subscribe, spread the word. More importantly, spread the love, right? That's the bigger thing. All right, cheers. Thank you for listening. Love you. Bye.